Macworld Podcast number 385 for December 4th, 2013. Brought to you by Smile, makers of PDF Pen Scan Plus. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. It's been a long time coming, but Apple fully intends to finally ship a new Mac Pro. However, given its design and cost, is it still a viable option for prosumers? Ted Landau joins me to talk about exactly that. Let's see what he has to say. I'm joined by senior contributor, Bugs and Fixes columnist, and founder of Mac Fixit, Ted Landau, who recently penned a piece titled, The New Mac Pro, Not for the Faint of Wallet, that's been getting a lot of play on Macworld.com. Welcome, Ted. Hi, Welcome. So the title of your article seems to hint that you believe the new Mac Pro is a bit pricey. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? That's a fair thing to say. Uh, and, and to be technically correct, the title was not of my choosing, but it, it fairly accurately describes what, what was going on. I, I can tell you briefly the background that led to me writing the article. Yeah, please. Uh, I have a 2009 Mac Pro, so it's now four years old, and I've been thinking about upgrading it. And before... Uh, Apple announced the new Mac Pro at WWDC last year, I figured I was going to get an iMac because without a a new Mac Pro on the horizon, I certainly didn't want one of the newer Mac, I mean, one of the newer, now older Mac Pros, the ones that had uh, been upgraded since 2009, but still didn't have a Thunderbolt port, uh, among other things. And so I said, okay, I started looking at an iMac and an iMac actually seemed fairly attractive. You know, my, uh, I I am in that sort of gray area where I'm not truly a professional high-end user. You know, I'm not into video production. I don't use Photoshop every day. Uh, Basically, most of what I do on a Mac during the day involves writing, which is not the most demanding uh, task for a computer. Uh, I do test a lot of software for articles I'm writing, and 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 I like to, and and I do keep a lot on my computer, and I like to have a fairly powerful machine, but it doesn't have to be the best. Uh, and for what I um, wanted to do, the iMac seemed perfectly fine. Uh, but then Apple announced the Mac Pro, uh, and my initial thought was, ah, at last, here it is. Uh, I can enjoy. Um, the advantages of, of, of a bigger machine than the iMac, uh, and uh, and not give up uh, on on the on the, the lack of Thunderbolt ports and so on that the older Mac Pro had. Then I start pricing it out. I said, okay, you know, it starts at three thousand dollars for the cheapest Mac Pro, uh, and I give no thought to going beyond that. You know, they have six core and potentially 8 and 12 cores, the Mac Pros that you can buy, uh, they will be far more expensive and and not anything that I imagined that I would be able to take advantage of. I think I think from things I've read, unless you're in video production, probably nobody needs more than a four-core machine. Uh, be that as may, certainly that was all I was going to stick with. And, and at $3,000, and of course you need a monitor, and I figured I would get Apple's Thunderbolt display. I know there are cheaper ones, but but I've had a cinema display and I've enjoyed it. And so I said, okay, $1,000 for that. We're looking at about $4,000. That's like twice what, what a comparable iMac would be, but but I, I, I was seriously thinking that that would be worth it. Um, and plus I can more or less afford it, so it, it wouldn't be a hardship on my pocketbook. But then I started looking and said, oh, wow, the I'm, the the Mac Pro only comes with 256 gigabytes of of storage. The Mac 
the iMac with the Fusion Drive uh, is one terabyte, and I and I keep about 750 gigabytes on my startup drive, and and I have external drives in addition. But I like having what's on my startup drive there. I like it readily available. I like not having to depend on an external connection to have access to that data, and so I figured, okay, so I'll update to one terabyte on the Mac Pro, and I said, whoa, um, they didn't have a price for it yet, but if I looked at the upgrade to a flash drive on an iMac, it would be $800 more to upgrade to one terabyte on the Mac Pro. Uh, and then I started considering there's no, there are no, um, well, I started looking at RAM a little bit. It comes with 12, um, 12 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, and I was thinking, well, that's probably okay, but for a machine this powerful, I probably would want more. Uh, I know I have, uh, I believe I have eight gigabytes on my current Mac Pro, and that's been that's been pushing it uh, I, I would and so i said well i'd want maybe 16 gigabytes at least i even considered 32 uh but at least 16 and that's going to add a couple more hundred dollars uh i still use optical drives they came installed on my older mac pro i'd have to buy them externally now uh that would add uh, some some more money and i kept going on like this and said you know to have a new mac pro that that had a one terabyte internal storage and was functionally more or less equivalent to the Mac Pro I had now was going to cost me I think somewhere in the range of about $5,500 and that's to, and that's starting with the cheapest Mac Pro that you could get and building from there and I said you know $5,500 that's a lot of money for a machine that I don't really need that much power from you know what, what started off as uh, and that forces me to keep everything external pretty much any anyway uh, and so what started off as a machine that I viewed uh, I think in the article I quoted as a sort of affordable luxury for someone like me now became what I viewed to be an unaffordable luxury and then I started thinking that there are probably a lot of other people in my situation people who have wanted Apple's best machine who have opted for a Mac Pro in the past instead of an iMac back in the days when a Mac Pro was cheaper uh, by this comparison and back when an iMac wasn't nearly as close uh, to being acceptable as the new iMacs are. And I started thinking, well, the combination of how much better iMacs have gotten over the years with how much more, relatively speaking, expensive the Mac Pro has gotten, I don't think I'm going to get a Mac Pro. Uh, I think I'm going to get a new iMac and I expect that a lot of other people in my position would do the same. And that was the genesis of the article. Well, how badly do you need Thunderbolt? Well, I would need Thunderbolt for anything external, pretty much. I mean, uh, uh, well, I, I could use USB to some extent. Yeah, I could I could attach drives through the USB ports, I suppose. I certainly would do that for the optical drives. Uh, you know, if I got, um, I don't absolutely need Thunderbolt, I suppose, but it, it is significantly faster. And if I were to get uh, external hard drives at this point, I would prefer um, to get Thunderbolt. I know I have in my current Mac Pro, I have some FireWire and some... USB drives and the US and then USB 2 admittedly not USB 3 but the USB drives are much slower than the FireWire drives and uh, you know I would enjoy having external drives that that transfer data almost if not as fast as an internal drive would. right so if you were to purchase a Mac Pro for example which of your existing peripherals could you use and which would you need to replace uh, for day in and day out um, use well, I have two optical drives in the current Mac Pro. They wouldn't transfer, um, uh, so I'd have to get two new optical drives, not very expensive. Um, 
and I know some people would say, well, we don't need them anymore. That's the direction Apple's going. And that's probably true in the long run, but I still copy DVDs from time to time. I still burn CDs from time to time. Uh, I like having the, the option to do so. Uh, in addition to that, I have my data um, spread across what amounts to three drives right now. The startup, uh, 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 I, I, and so I would... Uh, the startup drive and two drives, plus I have drives connected that serve as backups to those drives. So I essentially have like the equivalent of six drives, three that hold data and three that are backup for the data. Uh, and depending upon the size of the new drives, I would want something similar to that. I probably want at least two um, two drives uh, at, for main data uh, and then two for backup. And those, to the extent they had to be external, I'd want them to be uh, Thunderbolt drives. And then I need to power display as well. Yeah. Now, it seems to me that, that Apple is taking the whole pro label very seriously this time, and maybe not quite so much in the past, where people who were like you and me, sort of prosumers, who did some audio and video stuff on these things and appreciated the extra power, now really are kind of out of this market that really, and particularly given the um, comments on your article, I think a lot of the pros came in and said, well, of course I need this. And I can pay for it with a couple of projects or one project. But really, the prosumers, I think, are kind of left out in the cold, right? Well, that was the point of the article, yeah. And I think some people uh, thought that I was implying that, that the somehow the Mac Pro is too expensive for anybody. And then, yes, there were comments that suggested, well, it's not too expensive for me with what I do, that the, the extra speed of the Mac Pro will allow me to get my work done that much faster, and I will you know, make up the, the difference uh, in what the Mac Pro costs in a matter of weeks or whatever, and, and I, to which I say that that's great. You know, if, if that's the position you're in, get a Mac Pro. I under, it's just not the position I'm in or I, what I believe many other uh, users like me are in. And let, to be clear, you know, back before the iMac came out, the equivalent of the Mac Pro was pretty much the the computer that most power users got. I mean, there there were those boxes like the like the uh, the Power Mac seventy five hundred and, and and back in those generations where where uh, if 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 you wanted a Mac and you were any sort of power user, uh, you got that pretty much top end machine. And then the iMac came out and it was considered to be a poor stepsister from a power user's point of view, something for for you know for much more entry level users to use. Uh, and so now the situation has almost reversed in that regard. You have the iMac, which is a fairly powerful machine that can meet the needs of all but the highest end users. And then you have this new Mac Pro, which caters to those very high end users that the Mac Pro is not sufficient for. We'll return with more from Ted in a minute. Now, a word from Smile Software. Smile's PDF Pen Scan Plus lets you scan documents, articles, receipts, and more using your iPhone or iPad camera. PDF Pen Scan Plus includes OCR on the device with support for 16 languages. Once OCR has been performed, the text in the scan document can be copied and pasted into another document, or the PDF can be exported with searchable text included. You can also open your scans in PDF Pen for iPad or PDF Pen for iPhone for further editing or share them via Dropbox, Evernote, and other services for seamless editing on your Mac. PDF Pen Scan Plus is available on the App Store at the introductory price of $4.99. Check out the video demo by David Sparks to see all the powerful features packed into this indispensable tool at smilesoftware.com slash 
MW Podcast. And now back to Ted Landau and the new Mac Pro. Do you think that the iMac really is an adequate substitute for those people who are priced out of a Mac Pro, or is there still some space that could be filled between the iMac and the Mac Pro? I think there's some space that could be filled. I I liked the idea of having more internal flexibility than the current Mac Pro has. The the idea that I could swap things in and out in a way that you can't with the current Mac Pro. Uh, I I don't want to have a, a desk that requires that I have a uh, a peripheral array sitting next to the Mac Pro, and that every time I want to get a new hard drive or optical drive, I have to deal with it externally. Uh, and I don't need six, you know, I don't need, probably don't even need the four core option that the Mac Pro has. I, I could go with something uh, th- that that was that was less, but certainly I don't need six, eight, or twelve cores to worry about. Uh, I and I don't need quite that much power. Uh, at the same time, I'd like something that um, that offered a bit more than the iMac. Uh, and I think there are others that are in that position. I know Dan Frakes for years has talked about wanting a sort of mini Mac Pro that was like the current older Mac Pro, but but smaller and how it could be considerably smaller. Uh, and I think to some extent, the new Mac Pro is that machine. Uh, it certainly is a lot smaller. It's about like one third the size of the old Mac Pro. Uh, it just it, it accomplished that by by forcing things to go externally uh, that were previously internal, and people who are high-end users probably don't mind that very much. Uh, in fact, from the comments we got, some of them actually think it's a great idea. Uh, it, it isn't as it isn't as great for me, but but uh, I I I think the iMac still is more than sufficient. If I if I buy an iMac for my next Mac, I will be happy with it. I think the one objection I have to the iMac is that I'm forced to use its screen. And yes, I know I can put other monitors on there, but I already have a couple monitors that I like a lot. So I would like a headless Mac, but the idea of having a Mac Pro, first of all, the cost is certainly an issue. But it seems odd to me that you have this Mac Pro that is so that is so beautifully designed, you know, that it really should stand alone. But to make it a viable machine, I need to tether a bunch of stuff off it. And I guess I could hide that under my desk or something, but it it seems to sort of interfere with the elegance of the design that you have to put all this stuff on it. Well, and that gets to my point uh, about about high-end users, so to speak, to just keep using that phrase. I don't think they care as much about the aesthetics as you or I are saying. You know, if you're using this machine to to get some project done uh, for for your job, you don't care whether there's peripherals sitting next to it or not. You don't you don't you don't go to work in the morning, sit down in your cubicle, and say. You know, this would be aesthetically nicer if, if I didn't have to have this. Um, <clears throat> so that's a concern that someone like you or I that, that are thinking of having the machine on our desk at home uh, uh, and for, for a more casual use think about. Uh, so, yeah, that, but, but for people like that, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. So Mac Pros are often used in racks, or they have been. So this new shape obviously doesn't lend itself to that. Does that shape make it less appealing for this kind of use? Do you think somebody's going to cobble together a solution? Or do you think Apple just given up on that market? Well, as someone who's never worked from a rack uh, setup, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm best qualified to say what what a person like that would demand. But I think my my initial take is that Apple has indeed given up on that sort of user. Uh, they, this is for the person that doesn't want or need or can make do without uh, a rack-oriented system. Uh, you can certainly 
chain things together through the Thunderbolt port. It won't be as, as elegant or as compact in space uh, as a rack setup, but you can chain these devices together to some extent and can certainly chain dr drives together and get a fairly large drive array um, fr from a single Mac Pro. Uh, and uh, But beyond that, I think, yeah, it's not going to be a rack-type system, and Apple doesn't seem to care. Apple is content uh, uh, to be in this market. Apple's even, I mean, to some extent, even with this Mac Pro, as powerful and as high-end oriented as it is, it still is moving in this direction uh, that the other Macs uh, that Apple makes it has in, in minimizing the internal expandability. Uh, you know, with, a, with the MacBook Pro, for instance, you can barely get inside the machine. You need a special screwdriver just to open it up, and, they, and Apple clearly doesn't want you to open it up. Well, the Mac Pro doesn't go that far. You can open it up. You can upgrade RAM uh, and do a few other things. But basically, Apple continues to be saying, we want to build machines that, whose primary expandability will be external. Uh, our, our machines are not designed for you to start swapping in and out a lot of hardware and and that approach which the macbook pro has the imac has is now the mac pro is moving in that direction as well is that you think uh a decision based on how it looks no i i think i i think how it looks probably followed from from the from the decision to do that i think they, apple probably said look if we eliminate the space needed for four hard drives and two optical drives, we can design a machine that's optimized just for what the computer has to be able to deliver and let people decide on their own what external peripherals they want to add. And with Thunderbolt, we can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I asked that question in regard to something like the iMac that they keep making thinner and thinner and they lose some functionality because they make it thinner. And that seems to me to be purely a design decision, you know, like, oh, it's going to look better if it's if it's thinner. But I mean, who's going to see when you're sitting in front of the thing? You don't care how thick it is because you don't know. So it's really when you walk through and say, ah, oh, look at this. It's, you know, 75 millimeters thin or whatever it is. But we're also going to sacrifice these ports and, and this drive, for example. Yeah, I think thinness is a marketing thing. I mean, when you buy a large screen television, one of the things they'll advertise is how thin it is. You know, you can hang it on your wall and it'll look like a picture frame. And, and similarly for computers, thinness uh, is an attractive marketing tool. It doesn't, it doesn't add to the functionality of the computer in a significant way, but it helps maybe sell them. I don't think <laughs> they're as interested in that with the Mac Pro. I think they like the idea that, that it looks kind of sci-fi, nifty, whatever, uh, and, and has that, that appeal to, to, to some people anyway. But I don't think beyond that, the looks really played into it. And, I, and just to backtrack one second, I do agree with you. The biggest negative for the iMac for me is the fact that it has a built-in screen that I can't uh, you know, dump if I don't like it. Uh, that led me to think about whether I might want a Mac Mini uh, as a headless Mac. But Apple has so underpowered the Mac Mini uh, that it's almost like they don't want you to consider that as an option. They could make a Mac Mini that was at least as powerful, if not more powerful, than the iMac without the screen, and it might be a viable option, but they don't seem interested in doing that. Well, I was wondering, when we were talking about the, uh, the rack mounting these things, if maybe that was the future of the Mac Mini, that they already have a server edition, so maybe they pump this thing up, and that's what they suggest people do if they want to rack mount these things. People are using them for servers, so... Why not beef them up and put a bunch of those in a rack? Well, I, I certainly don't know if that's Apple's intention. We'll have to wait and see. They they haven't spent any energy on the Mac Mini in the last couple of years, so I, I don't anticipate that changing anytime soon, but I could be surprised. 
Okay, so look, let's look down the line a couple of years from now. We'll look back and we'll look at these sort of design changes with the Mac Pro. And do you think we're going to have that same perspective that we have over past design changes? For example, the disappearance of the floppy disk or later the DVD drives, for example, that over time we realized that they weren't that big a deal. Well, to some extent, yes, uh, in the sense that I think flash drive is the direction everything is going. I think in, in within a few years from now, you won't be able to buy any Apple computer, certainly, and maybe not any, any comparable computer that has anything inside that has a rota rotating motor of any sort. The, the spinning hard drives are dead. Uh, what will be different a few years from now, I expect, is that the price of, of internal storage, uh, flash storage, will be so much lower than it is now that, you'll, that Apple won't feel as constrained to have a 256 gigabyte option as the default option for Mac Pro. You'll be seeing one terabyte as the default option because they'll be able to produce it for about the same price as 256 gigabytes today. Uh, and that's the point at which uh, the, uh, the old style mechanical hard drives will be dead. Um, beyond that, um, I think this idea of shifting everything externally uh, in, a, in a pro, I'm not sure, well, it's, it's hard. To, to, in a sense, that's already happened to the iMac and the, Mac, and the MacBook Pro. You can't in install much in internally to those machines anyway. And so in some sense, the Mac Pro is just catching up with that. Um, but I don't think this idea that... Um, that you want to have all these hard drives and other peripherals attached externally is going to become something that Apple would market. I think the idea for the for the iMac and the for the well, market for lesser machines it is. I think the iMac and the MacBook Pro, the idea is that you don't want to attach too many external stuff to these machines. Those machines are for people who will be largely content um, with how the iMac and MacBook Pro function out of the box, uh, whereas for the Mac. Pro, you're expected to attach a bunch of peripherals to it for, for the typical user. And so, yeah, that I, I don't see that as sort of something that will trickle down to the other Macs because the other Mac, the people who buy the other Macs won't, won't have those sort of needs. Right. So if the Mac Pro is not for you, and maybe the iMac isn't quite for you, have you ever considered making a Hackintosh? No, I've never considered it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't even know where I'd begin. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm, I, I just am not that much of a hacking type person when it comes to hardware to, to even consider something like that. So, Not for you then. Yeah. So what about upgrading the uh, Mac Pro that you have? Well, I have upgraded to some extent. There's a flash drive in there now that I that I use, uh, and and it still functions. I mean, one of the options that I'm considering is just keeping my current Mac Pro for another couple of years. It, it's still a very functional machine. I'm using it right now for this podcast that we're doing. Uh, and it certainly hasn't gotten to the point where uh, where I, I can't use it anymore. I do like the idea of having a Thunderbolt port machine. Uh, it, and, and I do like the idea of be, eventually be a, being able to get like a 4K display when the prices are in, in my ballpark for doing it. Uh, and, and there are other things, you know, that I imagine that I would like to do that the Mac Pro can't do. But for the moment, I, I'm content to keep it and probably will for at least another year. Okay. Well, let's say you had the power to walk into Apple headquarters and say, you know, I'd like a Mac Pro too, but not this one. I would like you to offer me X, Y, and Z. What would those be? Wow. Um, well, certainly I, w I would want 
like we've been discussing, more internal storage capability uh, at a reasonable price. You know, I'd like to be able to, um, I, I would have been content if Apple put a Fusion Drive into the Mac Pro so, so that you could get the advantages uh, of flash storage without having to pay the current prices for it. And that could be an interim solution until the price of flash storage goes down that you don't need the Fusion Drive anymore. Uh, Apple clearly was, was looking ahead here and didn't want to do that, and I can understand that, but for my budget and price range, that would be something I would have preferred, uh, Mac Pro with a Fusion Drive. Uh, I might have preferred um, to have a little bit more internal expandability in terms of being able to slap in an additional hard drive beyond, beyond or additional flash drive even beyond the, the startup drive one. Um, and really, that's that's about it. If I could have... If there was a, if it was possible to have additional internal drives and a reason a much more reasonably uh, capacity uh, basic startup drive, I think I'd be fine. Okay, well, you can read Ted's story on Macworld.com. You can also read his response to some reader comments in his Slanted Viewpoint blog, which can be found at TedLandau.com/slash/slantedviewpoint. Thanks very much for being here, Ted. Thanks. I always enjoy, Chris. And that wraps up this episode of the Macro Podcast. I'd like to thank Ted Landau and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.